Okay, good morning everyone. Uh, you are welcome to this uh, session and uh, what will happen in this session is just uh, giving you the overview of God's heart um, from a layman's point of view. Uh, so, it's very vital that you want to go for further studies as you check through. Uh, I will try using scriptures to point out how to respond to God's command and commission. Uh, there are several moments in people's life that they are not really sure what they are engaged in. Is it that God has called them or is it an act of obedience to his commands? And what was true? What truly was true and uh, authentic to the issue <coughs> of acting what they are acting? Or what is it that they are unfolding in their lives, thinking it is from God. A lot of times, people are engaged in the field by imitation. Sometimes people dropped in by circumstance. Other time, some vacuum or accidentally you find yourself in the field. But historically, God uses people that he chose to use. If I am not in the American military, I cannot go to war with American soldiers because there are some qualifications to be in an army of any country. Uh, God uses people with qualifications. And I will attempt to explain those qualifications and at the end of it uh, clearly shows the difference between
between obedience and a call. As followers of Christ, I will make a lot of inferences from the scriptures, but don't forget that what we are trying to explore is an overview and a picture of the man or the woman God uses. And of course we do that. The concept came from who qualifies to be on the mission field. Where did God design me before the creation of the world to be and to accomplish? So we'll try to give you an overview and in the short few minutes uh, we'll look at a guide from the scriptures to help captivate our thoughts so that our involvement on the field, if we chose to be on the field, or if we are in the field, we will go with purpose, we will go with confidence, we will go with assurance, we will go with the Holy Spirit, will go under the shadow of the wings of the Lord because there is nothing that will make us doubt that God is with us because we made an intelligent, informed, guided choice by the scriptures through the Holy Spirit and any challenge, trouble, or obstacles, you will find them as element of developing your growth. God uses those challenges to prepare you for the next good work ahead of you. So, having looked at the overview, let us know now commit our thoughts, everyone, to the Lord as we look at our text from the scriptures. Holy, Yahweh God, Elohim, you are just. You are faithful. You are loving. Holy Spirit divine, you are so gracious to us. Your deep love And incredible mercies unfolded the truth of your purpose to our lives. 
Holy Father. We seek your help. Open the eyes of our souls, our hearts, that we might absolutely trust you as we understand you and your purpose and how we could be privileged to be in. The few minutes we have, may you take control and guide our thoughts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The question of being in the field, in the vineyard, the question of being privileged for God to walk with you, the idea of aligning yourself to the agenda of God began with God himself. And you know, we are all created in this image. But along the line, one of the image we have in God is the volition, the power to choose. Of course, there are several other things like God is spirit. We are spiritual beings because we have a soul. The, the body is a mark. God breathed a breath of life into the body and that clay, after the breath of life, it became a living soul. Now you have soul. That is the real you. And once a soul is created, it never ceases to exist. That it lives for eternity. And God lives for eternity. There are several images God designed us in His image. So the real you is the soul. And then, you have invitation by God to be co-workers with Him. It started with God Himself. As I said, we are going to look from the scriptures. The bigger picture, I wanted a chart so you can see how all of it comes together. So you will be having an imaginary chalkboard on your papers and you draw it and you will see how it comes. Because there are different stages. It all starts with God. When God created humanity, when God created human beings, He had an intention of communion and fellowship with him. 
And that cardinal purpose of the creation of man will be consummated and restored back when he appears and after the great white throne judgment. So our focus now is to look at from the fall to the great white throne judgment. What is taking place? How can I be involved with God in God's agenda? It is never from eternity and it's not going to be eternity. Our eternity when Christ appears in the blessed hope we live with him forever and ever. So it's a short period of time from the fall to the great white throne judgment. Uh, so zero your mind uh, to this as it will be. Now we have male and female, right? You know, the truth is that in eternity there is neither male nor female. So we are looking as God intended it right now in our fallen nature. For those that were saved by grace, for those that God has saved by grace, uh, God wants to walk alongside you. The idea here, therefore, how do you choose what you choose while on earth before you move to eternity? It is God that first loved us. We didn't love Him, but we turned away from Him. So it all began with God. And it began with God by the introduction of the law that Jesus Christ, who is God, magnified it. In Deuteronomy, we are told, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's amazing that when you begin to talk with the Muslims, for example, they claim to know God, but their God is not our own God. There are many gods. So when we are isolating this God, it's not the generic God that we all need. The God we are talking of took the form of a flesh and came, became flesh. He created everything. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There was nothing that was created that He, the Word, did not create. Now, in all fairness, as it is, this Word took the form of a flesh. No one has ever seen Yahweh God. But the flesh, who is the Son, has made Him known. It's very important if you want to respond to God's command and His commission to isolate and know in the first place which of the gods am I dealing with here. So I am a little bit isolating the God 
in the form that, listen, this God is the one that created everything, including us, that he will see later inviting us to walk with him. And we departed from him and he came back to us. This same God came back to us in flesh in Christ. The scriptures tells us Christ is the image of the invisible God. Colossians 1.15 in verse 19 it says, all the fullness of God dwells in Christ Jesus. Now, the extreme thing that you will come, then we will come to this verse in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4. That's where this God that appeared in the flesh declared and said, in Colossians chapter 2 verse 9, it shows us all the fullness of this God in bodily form dwells in Christ Jesus. Therefore, this God we are talking about is Christ. And it's very, very important. He set some qualifications that we must attend to if we truly want to respond to align ourselves for Him to walk through us and with us. In verse 4, Jesus said, Hear, O Israel. It was Jesus speaking in Deuteronomy. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. In Romans, remember, you are told, if you confess with your mouth that this Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he raised from the dead you will be saved the key salvation for every humanity is to see the deity of Christ without the cross you are not saved the deity of Christ is revealed from Deuteronomy. The Lord, our God, Lord there is Jesus. This Jesus, our God, Jesus is one. That is why you get saved from Believing and trusting with your heart, with your soul. In verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all 
is hot, there is soul. Ah, be careful these words in verse 5 of Deuteronomy 6 is this. There are some steps and some intellectual steps you ought to take in responding to God. That is why the scriptures is clear here. You have heart, you have soul, you have strength, O oh might. And it says, verse 6, And this was that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you raise up. You shall bind them. That's meditational life. Don't forget, we will talk about the qualification to responding to God's command and commission. Binding them. You shall write them on your doorpost and on your gates. That is depicting meditational life. Now, before I come to the step, let me connect Jesus truly were this in the real times. In the book of Mark, the scriptures was clear there. Mark chapter 12, from verse 28, the scripture, Jesus Christ was talking there. Now, I am painting the basis Okay, I will soon round up, but I want you to get the concrete steps so I can align those things to you before our time is up. In Mark chapter 12, from verse 28, a scribe came to Christ. Which is the first commandment of all. Among all the commandments, which one is the best? Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, so he quoted that. He quoted Deuteronomy. Are you understanding it? I, I, I want you to understand the basic layout here, how you can respond to his command and his commission. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. These are the elements that you will take in your response to God. Your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. These four elements, and I will tell you how to use them to discern where God wants you to be. 
the first commandment. Jesus said. And in verse 31 he said something. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no any other commandment greater than this. Okay. When you pick the summary, as a matter of fact, other places in the verse says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two. The command of love, loving God, is a response because he first loved him. Now, that command, what does it take? My heart, my soul, my mind, my strength. How does loving others means? Loving others is revealed in the commission called the Great Commission. You go make disciples. That is the commission. That is the only way when you serve others there is no greater love than this that a man lay down his life for his friend. Jesus laid down his life for us. He asked us to do the same. We lay down our lives for others. The underlying factor, therefore, what compels you to do that is your love for God. No circumstances, no challenges, not employment, not pleasing others. Your love for God demands your mind, your strength, and your heart. If you do this too, how do I love God? You love God through meditational life. You love God through meditational life. Okay? How is my meditational life? Because, you see, earlier we saw the Lord requires day and night. Indoors and outdoors, we remind ourselves of his command. We remind ourselves of the scriptures. David says, day and night I meditate on your word. He says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I don't want to sin against you. His word is hammer. His word is sword. Sharper than any two-edged sword that pierces to the heart 
uh, to the soul, to the bones and marrow. Those are where our hearts should meditate on his words day and night. A meditational life for all believers is a command. A meditational life is a command. And that involves worship. That involves memory of the scriptures. That involves studying the scriptures, reading the scriptures. That is how to love God. The scriptures say day and night, inside the house, by the door, by the gate of your house. Remind yourself of His word. It's a command, it's not a choice. Now, for you to obey God's command, the second thing is your family structure. If you are not married, then you jump to the next step. If you are married, the Bible demands that you and your husband, as the husband, you must control your home. No excuse about it. You must leave your home. Above all, you must provide for your immediate family, not relations. You must provide for your wife and for your children, not the woman providing for you. You the man. According to the Bible, you provide for your wife and children. One of the qualifications. You know something? Any husband that does not provide for his family is not a Christian. That's what the Bible says in Timothy. In fact, you have denied the faith. Several men do not provide for their wives and children and they claim to go on the mission field. For what? They are not qualified. The Bible says you have denied the faith. Your strength, as your heart worships God, your strength should be for the provision of your wife and children. If you can't take care of them, you are unqualified to be used by God. Fear societal justifications. If your community and society approves that, God did not approve. You are an equally young. I tell people always, I said, at this point now, you know, you are staying with the wife at her discretion. Because there's no marriage in between you. You are an unbeliever, but she doesn't want to go in case you will see Christ in her and repent. Start providing for her and the children. There's nowhere in the Bible that says the woman should provide for the house. There are four cardinal elements for you 
must satisfy as a husband for God to use you. You cannot be responding in court to God's command and his commission when this place is rotten. The four cardinal elements are you must provide for your wife, you must and children, if God gave you, you must protect your wife and children, you must be able to teach your wife and children, and you must be able to lead your wife and children. If you cannot provide, if you cannot protect, if you cannot teach, if you cannot lead your family, you are unfit to be associated with God outside. I'm just giving you a summary. All of them have biblical things. Check them like the Marian Christians. They went to check whether what they had is true and biblical. Go and check them. Your wife is not supposed to work for you to eat. Your husband, you marry, you take the responsibility of that union. That's why you must leave your father and mother and cling to your wife. That is responsibility to it. That is responsibility to it. You see, someone that is lazy, doesn't have any work, he wants a way of escape, and he said he wants to go on the mission field. That's stupidity. That's deception. You are not going with God. I'm not going with God. You know, obedience is not an alternative to challenges of life that you face. Now, if your meditational life is intact, if your family life is intact, now, if you are not married, that's why Paul talked about marriage. It's a good thing. No baggage. Then you are free to go. If the meditational life consistently you meditate on God's word, you have life of worship, your communion with God is intact, day and night overwhelmed and emblazoned by the Holy Spirit, you are good to go. But if you are married, you are not qualified for obedience yet. You are not qualified. Now, all of this now leads you to the purposes of God. The first purpose of God is my worship, devotional, and meditational life. The second purpose of my obedience with God is my family life. The third one is His command to go. Now, going to witness is not a calling. By the way, if you think it's a calling, no, it's not. Going to witness is not a calling. Prayer is not a calling. You are commanded to pray 
persistently is obedience, not a call. To go to witness is obedience, not a call. Everyone is called to pray. Everyone is called to witness. Everyone is called to disciple. That commandment that is referred to as I said calling to pray is a commandment to pray. That thing that is referred to as a call to witness is a commandment to witness. It's not your choice. When you don't witness, you are living a disobedient child of God. When you don't pray, you are living a disobedient child of God. When you don't disciple or mentor, you are living a life of disobedience. So, if meditational life is intact, your family life is intact, all of us have room for improvement in all these areas. But they are so vital that we may end up deceiving ourselves. So you are required daily to pray, you are required daily to evangelize, you are required daily to disciple or mentor. That is a command. Now, your response is just obey it, no complaint. No complaint. And until you can do this three, you will never be called for God's purposes anywhere. You are unfit. You are unfit. Don't deceive yourself. You are unfit. If your devotional prayer life is faulty, you are unfit to be called by God. If your family life a lot of things, that's where your ministry begins from. You are unfit for another. If you are not living a life of prayer, life of evangelism, life of discipleship or mentoring, you are unfit. You are living a disobedient Christian life. As a new creature, filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. Can you tell me a Christian that doesn't have Holy Spirit? Now if you have Holy Spirit, it's not prophecy or speaking in tongues. It's not prosperity, it's not money, it's not nothing. It is you go and share the goodness, you witness this newfound life. Dead people are all around you. Go to resurrect them to life. When you witness, you are resurrecting people to life. Now, until this tree is true of my life, of your life, God cannot call you for a bigger assignment. Now, the Bible tells us in several places that God is looking down on earth, seeking whom he would send. But there are many people. Why is it hard? For God to find one man to send. Those are the ones that fulfill a calling. For example, if you fulfill this, God will give you the privilege of 
meeting a need of his children in a war-torn land, like in this case, like Ukraine. Now it's a calling. If if your meditational, devotional, and act of obedience to prayer, witnessing, and discipleship is intact, then you would have the privilege of call of God to meet a need of a disaster or a something that is happening. Now, another thing that God calls people to, if the uh, church is weakening or is sleeping or has slumbered, God, it is from this that have these orderly things, three blocks of things I mentioned to you, that God will pick from there to, uh, to, to what? To ignite revival. To ignite awakening. God never picks you or calls you when these three are not intact. Go and study the scriptures well. You know, when Jesus Christ said everything about life and godliness has been given to us. And he said, you see, the heart is the brain of the soul. The mind is the intellect of the soul. And God has given you that freely. But he loved you. So, the whole idea now, I evaluate myself. How much is of my devotional life? How much is of my family life? How much is of my obedience to the command of the Lord? Now, if I have this in place, I will, like in James, count it all joy when I pass through diverse troubles and trials. You know why? I knew that God will use that trials and trials and difficulties and challenges to mold me, making me ready for another better work. Remember, before the foundation of the earth, God knew you and formed you. And created you as a person with something that you will accomplish on earth here before the consummation of time. No, you will be so foolish to drift through the world until the appearance of Christ or you go into the grave not knowing why you came here or not. The revelation of discovering the reason God created you is rooted in this tree. Now, my assumption is that everyone is a believer, is a new creature, and has the Spirit of God in him. Now, if that is not true of you, you won't understand this. If in some cases, unmature people would not understand, because the Bible says, the unmature person does not understand the things of the Spirit. So, 
again, big problem. If you are a baby Christian, you will never even know, so you would not even know when God called you. But you know, the Bible says it continued through much practice. Alright? They are able to discern. Now, in your devotional life, in your family life, in your act of obedience to prayer, evangelism, and discipleship, you pass through tough times. It's preparing you for God's calling. A special assignment that not everybody on earth can do. But once you didn't certify this, you missed that level of God's assignment. So I, the summary of it all is this. You need as much as you can time to create for meditation and life. In it is prayer, worship, study of the word, memorizing the word, those are what meditations do, do. Claiming God's promises, seeking the mind of God through prayer, then your family, providing for your family, protecting your family, teaching your family, and leading. Many husbands have left their family like sheep without a shepherd. And they don't even listen to their wives. And the wife, God gave you a wife. Another name for a wife is a faithful witness. A faithful witness. When your wife advises you not against the scriptures, stop. You can't move an inch without listening. Don't brush her. When she interjects something you are doing, listen. 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 You know the irony is before I married my wife, I want her to always be talking. If she's not talking, I will listen and I keep quiet. Now we got married. She interjects and said, just hold on, hold on later. Hold on. What happened? It's the same person. The arrogancy of man. You know, the scripture said the heart of the man. Ladies, if you don't know, listen to this. The heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. It didn't say the heart of a woman. It's the heart of man. It's deceitful. There is deceit in every man. Men are terribly wicked. That is the declaration of God that created man. Women, there is no angel. Even Lucifer fall. If you didn't get the man as a new creature in Christ, you are in hell. You are one of the prince of Satan in your house. They are terrible men. Take responsibility. Don't rationalize and say the scriptures is take. No. The judgment of the man was difficult. God said, We swear you will provide for your family. 
and then you are saying, why is your contribution provided? That's not true. Okay, what's your contribution in the pain of the birth of the woman? In pain you will be a child. So which one is your own there? Do you share the pain of childbirth? So when God exclaims a judgment on each of the sexes, let's take it literal and let's not rationalize it. As I conclude, my dear brothers and sisters, it's a simple truth. As I share with you, this is from, from a layman's point of view. A layman's point of view. But look at them deeply. Your family life has a lot. You remember qualification for a deacon in a church. If you want God to work with you, these areas you can't brush them. Deal with them. Nobody is perfect. I learned through. I'm still struggling with some areas of loving my wife, loving my children. But I'm working on it. I'm working on it. So work on your own. And uh, I would like to just stop here. I will take one or two questions. If uh, there is, if there is not, I uh, commend you to go and study the filters and where are you. We'll take the last five minutes, all right, or two to three minutes. In your note, ask the question, where am I in my meditational life? The second question, where am I? in my family life. You and your God. And the third one, where am I in place of God's command? Like in prayer, in witnessing, in discipleship or mentoring. Mentoring is part of discipleship. That's why I am putting them all together. Until you can do that, you did not qualify for God's calling. And as you struggle to do that, God is using your weaknesses to develop you into a good work that He is preparing for you ahead when you pass those. Uh, those stages. Any questions? Alright, it's always difficult to have the first one. And uh, any comment or question? Yes. So I agree with you when you said that the man should be the provider. I just wanted to know what are your thoughts on, like, for instance, if you have a wife that's like a nurse, maybe has a higher income than the like what's right from wrong in there if she's technically like providing more money or more income is that what you mean by that like uh, you can get a hundred times more than your husband but you are not obliged to be responsible for the meals of the house now if his strength is providing this category of meals 
Then you can supplement and upgrade. But you are subjected to him. You know, don't, don't, don't uh, overthrow God's standard. Don't about because you see, if he leaves you providing for the house, then you become the head of the house. And that's not God's order. Because now you dictate what happens. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not right. But out of humility, you could work. If he is wise, you see, you obey him, he honors you. He cherishes and honors you. That's it. You are not to love your husband. The husband is to love you as Christ loved the church. Look at Corinthians 13 from verse 4 to 8. Is that true? Look at Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit. Is that true of his life? So he has a work agenda. Loving is more difficult than you submitting. The child submit, you submit. His work is 1,000 times a million times harder than yours of submission. But men don't do it. And we wait with the society rather than with the scriptures. A spirit-led woman, if she asks a million times than her husband, she will still respect and, and honor and, and, and submit to her husband. So it's not going to be a problem in the house. Your love will provide for the children and the rest. But you see, he knows that that is ought to be his responsibility. Yeah. Yes, sir. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? My wife is not rushing to stop the money for that Yeah, I say the kids. Right. And I feel like what you just told me. Right. Your lecture is that I'm not a Christian for letting my wife make the money in the house. Right. That doesn't feel right in my heart. Right. Uh, I'm sorry uh, if that offends. But the, the truth here is that some husbands are incapacitated. But it's your responsibility. To provide for her. Now, I don't know. It's your own choice. I'm not. There are some husbands that are sick. The woman cannot die. But ideally, as God requires, is that the woman is not the head of the house. It's the man that is the head of the house. If she asks a million times than you, it did not. Uh, sideline you to be the head of the house for her to submit to you for you to lead, to teach and to protect her and the children that does not remove that responsibility from you just like she said what if the income of the woman is higher than my own we are not talking about income that is generated we are talking about the authority you as the head you need to read and be able to know the scriptures better than her. To explain, you are the reverend, the pastor of the pulpit in the house. You are the disciplinarian because love disciplines. So that's good order. And I'm sorry I'm a layman. I don't know any other way that you can switch it. You explained it better. Right, right. Thank you. So, talk to your pastors, talk to theologians. This is a layman's point of view as is in the scriptures. You know, uh, 
But the issue is who does God uses? And these are basic things that are being neglected. You know, are being neglected. Can you describe where you are in all these three points and then uh, um, I would uh, uh, close with a word of prayer for us. Before you sit down, please, I know some of you are feeling those forms, but above the forms, yeah, feel it, but I want you, the meditational life, the do it from one to five. Okay? Grade yourself one to five. Where are you on meditational life? Where are you on uh, family life? Where are you on obedience to God's command, prayer, evangelism, and that? Grade yourself in that regard and uh, see the total and have a working plan to develop yourself under God. God is desiring for you to move ahead. This is not a condemnation. This is an insight to your heart by the Holy Spirit. There's nothing greater than this. Nothing ever. So I, I challenge you to take it. Your failures, they are tools that God is making you greater. Your shortcomings, they are counted. You know, he says, no, be joyful. Nobody is perfect. We can never be perfect. We see glimpses like from in, in the mirror. Perfection comes when we go with him. Galatians tells us the flesh opposes the things of the spirit and the spirit the flesh. When shall these two? Until you die or Christ is there. So, but let this be your goal. Move ahead. Run towards red. Forget the past. Move forward. Holy Spirit. I am unable to really as a person communicate, but your word is powerful. I pray, Lord, that you speak to our hearts, that we may desire to be under the shadow of your wings, that we will be the head of our homes, that we will respond in obeying your commands, as in the scriptures. Holy Spirit, divine, help each one here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much and God bless you.